Time for Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. Let's start with the, the continuing focus on Surrey Memorial Hospital. Mm-hmm. The doctor there who's been speaking out, Dr. Urbane Ip, and one of the doctors there who has bravely spoken up here, and he continues to mm-hmm. speak up about problems. He describes it as a crisis at this hospital. And it was interesting yesterday to see the CEO of the Fraser Health Authority now emerge to address some of the things the doctor is saying. After we Dr. put Victoria a lot of pressure Lee. on there to make that happen. Yeah. And again, I think uh, Health Minister Agent Dix, I think, put a little pressure on Fraser Health also to start uh, speaking or responding to some of these um, statements from Dr. Ip and other doctors there. And she emerged yesterday and gave us an interview on Global. Yeah, we'll play a clip of her here in just a moment. And one of the things that she addresses in this clip is something that Dr. Ip has been saying about putting notes on a patient's chart. So he said that doctors at the hospital, if a patient's care had been compromised by a staff shortage, mm-hmm. they were putting a notation on uh, to that effect on the patient's chart, saying that you know the care was not optimal because of a staff yeah. shortage. Yeah, and, and for... Uh, for- Fraser Health Supervisor, Vice President, say no, you can't do that. Told them not to Told do them that. Told them not to do that. And then we put that question to uh, Victoria, Dr. Victoria Lee yesterday, and she says that's not standard uh, practice. Let's listen to what she says on the precise point here. So this is Dr. Victoria Lee, CEO of the Fraser Health Authority, on doctors putting these staff shortage notes on patient charts at the hospital. Let's listen. Every chart, patient chart, is a legal document where it's not... Uh, actually abiding by the standards is general and generic information that doesn't abide by the uh, standards of patient charting that's required. Okay, so she's saying well, the doctors you should have not a, put this on the chart. Yeah, and the doctors have a different view of that, saying no, oh. this is information that should be on the chart. As a sort of in, um, of note, I think, article in the Globe and Mail today, sort of a cross-country checkup, Pointing out the emergency rooms right across the country are going to feel an enormous strain this summer. Uh, res- the doctors at Calgary General, have, in a similar position to Surrey Memorial, have uh, written a letter as well saying there's a severe staff shortage, which means lengthened stays in ERs for patients. And this is uh, occurring right across the country. Uh, hospitals in Ontario, Southern Ontario, are reporting this. Uh, so get ready for an avalanche of news stories, I think, this summer about emergency rooms either closing temporarily or feeling the crunch because of staff staff shortages right across the country. Surrey Memorial is just the start, I think, of a tsunami of uh, emergency room crises that we're going to see. Okay, so we're not we're seeing more this happening in other provinces, other hospitals. Well, other we, yesterday we had nurses in Prince George right. rally yeah. outside the hospital there yeah. saying they've got uh, problems. You've got doctors in Lady Minto Hospital in Salt Spring Island, where my mom was born, uh, also expressing concerns about uh, what's going on there. So the, the, the staff shortage, the human resource crisis in healthcare is going to be felt like never before this summer. And do you think that you'll start to see more... Healthcare professionals, frontline doctors speaking up, yep. speaking out. Yep, I yep. think for sure. I think you're going to hear doctors on this program. Yep. You're going to see doctors speak out uh, about, but again, these, this is not a problem that's going to get fixed this summer. This is a staff shortage. Um, you can't train doctors fast enough. 
And it's not just emergency. I mean, these are emergency room doctors we're talking about. But, of course, there's other areas of the hospital that are also feeling the pinch when it comes to staff shortages. And and nurses will be the first ones to tell you that they're included in this. Let's talk about the situation in Ottawa now with the fallout from the David Johnston report Mm -hmm. on uh, China state meddling in Canada's elections here. And Pierre Polyev, the Conservative Party leader here, saying that he he will not cooperate with David Johnston and his review on this, because he says that he described, he says David Johnston is a friend of the prime minister and he's not, he's biased and he's not going to play along that. He, he that, won't, he won't, uh, uh, look at, get access to the confidential documents, classified information, which right. is what they're dangling in front of Polly. But I think he senses it's a bit of a trap. If, um, now interesting NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh says he will look, at the confidential documents. Well, once you do that, your hands are tied in terms of talking about this because you have to sign basically a non-disclosure agreement because you cannot reveal classified information publicly. So Poliev doesn't want to get drawn into that. Um, and, you know, I can see that point of view, but of course it leaves them open to criticism from Justin Trudeau, who says that's not how you be a leader. Let's listen to this. So let's listen to Paulia first here. Now, here is why he says he doesn't want to accept this offer to look at this classified material that's been gathered by David Johnston. Here's what he says. He, he cannot preside over public hearings or anything else. Uh, he is not impartial. He needs to get out of the way and allow for a, pull, a full public inquiry. Okay, so he says he will not look at these confidential documents that Johnson has collected. Now, here's what Trudeau has said about that in response. Here's Trudeau going after Polyev yesterday. And Pierre Polyev is choosing to sit behind a veil of ignorance instead. He doesn't want the facts to get in the way of a good political argument or a personal attack. I think Canadians have to ask themselves the question, is that a serious leader? Okay, does that shape up is some of the political talking points well, you're going to hear? You know, I think these, obviously, two solitudes here, but, you know, I think I can understand Poliev's position. He wants to keep the fire burning here, which means, uh, again, making accusations and such. Trudeau's correct in some way. You know, you, you got to step up, put partisan politics aside and take a look at this. But I think Poliev also raised an interesting point about these public hearings. How effective are they going to be, and how credible are they going to be? Is Johnson's credibility now taking such a hit because of his association with the Trudeau Foundation, his historical um, family connection to the Trudeau brand? Does that that render his public hearings, because they're not going to be using confidential information or classified information, it's just a public hearing where participation is voluntary, will there be a boycott? Yeah. of of those public hearings from certain parties that might have an interest in this. So I think the, the public hearing thing may be DOA uh, on this. Um, but again, I know Angus Reid pulled out today, just out this morning, uh, 52% of Canadians favor a public inquiry, which isn't a huge number, but it is more than more than not. 52, yeah. 38% say no. Okay. Let's talk about a, a business. We see lots of sort of beloved businesses sort of shut their doors. Yes. And there's a store in Victoria, I know you're very familiar with, your family is too, called Pick a Flick, yep. which was a, a videotape store, right? It's been, they was an operation for like 30 years. Sur- survive the bust of Blockbuster and other video things. This thing has been <laughs> going amazing. So the big story in Victoria for, not for everyone, but this, this store, the owner has a huge collection. Yeah, I'm um, not just your basic, you know, top ten movies, but, but uh, movies that are obscure, go back years, oldies, also rare TV shows, yeah. uh, collections from from 
Great Britain, huge BBC collection. So very popular store. I think he's got more than 5,000 titles. So the big question is, where does this incredibly valuable collection go? So there's a petition or an, organi- an organized movement to either ensure we um, protect this collection either by giving it to a library or the University of Victoria. Yeah. So it's, it's starting to gain steam, but it's it's a it's a a store that's touched so many families. Yeah. In uh, in the Victoria region, it uh, it was it was used to go to that with my kids. It was a lineup out the door sometimes. There was there. yes yes I I've been there I've done I've rented videos there in the past as well. So let's listen to Kent Bendall now, the owner of the Pick a Flick videotape store. And on shutting his doors, here's what he has to say. I wish I didn't have to close, but it's, I mean, it's basically financial. There's, I'm, <laughs> COVID was not nice. Uh, I, have, I have bills to pay like everybody else. And this is not a, a business of, of, of dollars anymore. It's, it's, an, I, it's a nostalgia factory, which is great. And people love to come in, but it, it doesn't pay the bills, unfortunately. Okay, he's got 25,000 titles 25, at right. his store. I only said 5,000. Wow, that's wow. a lot. And there's a petition underway, as you mentioned. So more than 1,000 people have signed this petition, this petition urging that the Greater Victoria Public Library and the University of Victoria buy, buy this collection from mm-hmm. him and preserve it. Oh, it's an incredibly vast collection. Um, and we're not just talking about, again, favorite movies. It's, it's obscure movies, rare movies, rare TV shows. Yeah. It was very popular, but but I guess he, Ken's right. I mean, you just can't keep up. The demand's just not there. I'm surprised it was still operating. Actually. Well, it moved from Cook Street Village, which is a very popular, you know, mini village yeah. uh, right near where I live in Fairfield. Uh, it had to move up the hill to a place that was a little more inaccessible yeah. for parking and pedestrian traffic. Yeah, with the Staticona Center, you just don't go there on a regular basis like Cook Street. So I think that that location move hurt him. All right, it's Baldry's Beat. The phone lines are open. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Dave in Mission. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Oh, hey, Mike. Steve. Thanks for taking my call. You know, when I was listening to you guys talking about the problems in the ER and stuff like that, you know, here we are. We're, we're, we're importing two million or a million people into this country now every year or 500,000 to a million. And the people that were here before that million didn't have a, a lot of them didn't have a doctor. We're having trouble accessing healthcare and stuff like that. How is it that the government is going to expect that this is all going to work out? I, I don't, I no. don't quite understand their logic here. When you're bringing this many people into this country and we're already in a housing and a, and a health crisis, it's, it's only going to get exponentially worse. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Great call, Dave. Yep, that's that criticism or fear has been expressed by a number of people. Um, Don Wright, the former head of the civil service in BC, had an op-ed piece in the Orca a couple months ago pointing out this immigration um, thing is interesting. It does help the economy, but where is everyone going to live? Yeah, where's the housing? What about the pressure on healthcare? We're already what we're seeing. What about is the Surrey, schools? Do we have enough schools? I mean, you know, in you, Surrey, they're, they you can't been, build schools fast enough. They're Surrey. doing double decker portables. As soon as you open a Surrey, a school in Surrey, it's overfilled. Yeah, over capacity. So it's uh, it's it, one reason I think we're seeing this this crisis in Surrey and other places is partly staff shortage for yeah. sure, but increased demand. So in the last couple of years in BC, about two hundred thousand. Our population has increased. I think about two hundred thousand. And most of those people are in Metro Vancouver, and a big yeah. chunk of them are in Surrey sure. and Langley. Yeah. That's where the growth areas are. So you just start doing the math, 
you just put that many more people in the system, well, a percentage of, of that population will always require services, either healthcare, education, whatever. And that's a big reason we're seeing pressure on our system. Then you add to that the forecast for higher immigration. 500,000 people a year. Yep. Nationally, so, BC shares probably 13%, maybe more, because I think most people will want to probably locate in in urban areas. Sure. And that means in warm weather areas, and that puts Vancouver at the top of the list. So our share of that 500,000 is probably going to be you know, 75,000 people. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a lot of people to put that's in a lot. That is a, that is a lot. That is a really important issue. Jim and Surrey. Hi, Jim. Hi there. You know, uh, morning guys. If you listen to Trudeau speak, everything that he says about someone else is everything that he is. He's not a serious leader. He never has been. He's covered every scandal with a lie and then every lie with a scandal ever since he's been in power. And it's just astonishing to to hear him say things like that about Polyev. When he's the one in government, he's the one that's been been lying and, and scandal after scandal after scandal from day one. Like, okay. how do you even take this guy seriously? Thank you, Jim. And yet he keeps winning elections. Yeah, right. <laughs> kind of Teflon. So here, here's the problem Polyev has. Uh, yeah, Trudeau's brand is, is tarnished. Yeah. Seriously tarnished. I mean... But you start doing the, the, the math on votes. More people vote for the NDP liberal side of the equation than vote for the conservative PPC and bloc. And as long as that continues, and if that translates into more seats on the liberal NDP side, that will remain the ruling coalition for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Just as we saw in 2017 in B.C., the B.C. liberals had the most seats. They could not form government. Right. Because the other guys had more seats between them, the NDP and the Greens. It's quite yep. conceivable in Ottawa, the next election, Pierre Poliev and the Conservatives emerge with the most seats. But yep. they won't have, it's very unlikely they'll have a majority. And you, you put the NDP and the Liberals together, that could likely be the ruling coalition. Okay, I tend to side with Poliev a bit on, on this issue around David Johnson, because I, I do think that David Johnson was, was not a really oh, I, good I don't blame Poliev at all. I, I yep. think it's... Uh, I think it's a smarter tactic or smarter move to say, I don't want any part of this. So yeah. Poliev, I think sensing the mood out there, is branded the Johnson process as an uncredible process. I and think I, he's right. I think he's correct. Let's go to Pam in Port Moody. Hi, Pam. you got 30 seconds here. Hi. How are you? Good. I just want to, um, and I apologize if this has already been brought up. I just got in my car and I'm driving and listening to you guys, but if it is as we, you guys suggested, that there's going to be up towards 500,000 new immigrants a year to Canada. Are we making it a priority to bring in doctors and nurses amongst that 500,000? Because we can do that. Great point. Thank you. Yeah, so there are changes to expedite more foreign-trained nurses and doctors to practice in B.C., but I don't think the numbers are going to be suffice to actually meet the demand out there that's going to be growing as the population swells.